Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. How are you guys doing this morning? Get your geek on Sunday at, at Faith. Oh my goodness. You guys having a fun morning? You can have fun at church today. I am not preaching in this, but I do have this for you. So there you go. Hey, it's so good to have you guys in the house. We have had a, a great morning so far. We had uh, Captain Phasma and Kylo Ren and Mini Kylo Ren and Mini Darth Vader and my kids had some fun. Uh, this is a father-son moment. We really got into this, so uh, it's, it's been a blast. But hope you guys have had a great day so far. And uh, you got to understand this. When you come to church, uh, you're here to learn, obviously, but you're here to have fun. You're here to experience community. You're here to experience life. And that's what church should be about. So, yes, it's okay. You can do that, all right? For those who do not know me, or if you're a first-time guest, uh, I apologize. It's not typically like this. <laughs> we don't walk into the uh, service on Sunday morning dressed up like this. But um, we are in a series called At the Movies, and uh, last week, man, what a that was a great message last week. Just talking about emotions and what goes on inside your mind, and and uh, we all walked out probably a, a crying and laughing at the same time. And then this week we're in uh, part two. And this is Star Wars week, if you haven't noticed already with all these characters behind me. And uh, we're going we're gonna to have a good time today. But I love these movies, if you can't tell already. Uh, I grew up in the 80s and in the uh, early 90s. And I remember the first time going to see Return of the Jedi in the theater. Uh, some of y'all remember that? Uh, I, I was not old enough to, I was a baby when the first ones came out. And then Return of the Jedi came out. And I remember going to see that. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, seeing those lightsaber battles and those... Uh, they look cheesy now, the graphics do, but those uh, starship battles, you know, where they're up in the sky and you got, you know, the, the whole story of Vader and uh, Luke and the redemption of the father uh, through the son. Uh, it, was just, it was just really a cool thing to see that. And uh, the thing is, though, one theme in particular that kind of stands out if you guys have seen the movies or you've heard about it, even if you haven't seen the movies, you're under a rock if you haven't heard about them because... They, they honestly, they're, they're the highest grossing movies of all time now. Um, the last, last year when The Force Awakens came out, there were lines. And I remember going with my boys to see it, and I was more excited than they were. But we get there, and we see it, and we walk out, and I'm like, wasn't that awesome? And they're like, yeah. Come on, you know. <laughs> so I thought it was just really cool. That movie made over $950 million domestically. And so it's number one. So the reason I think they are so big, you know, that you do have the saber battles and all that kind of stuff, but I think what it is more than anything else is you see this, this uh, struggle, this whole theme that goes through of the light side and the dark side. And, and you see it with Anakin. If you've seen the prequels, we'll forget about those if you're true Star Wars fans in the house. <laughs> uh, but I, rem- I remember watching those, and you see that story of Anakin as a child, and he grows up into a man, and then he's seduced by the dark side and ends up falling and becoming Darth Vader. And then you have the, the middle series, which you have the story of Luke, and he redeems the father, as we mentioned. And then you have this new trilogy that started. I never knew they would have another trilogy coming out. And uh, episode seven, The Force Awakens, came out. And this is the story of this guy, Kylo Ren. And, um, and then the girl behind us as well. But what's interesting is that Kylo Ren, I'm throwing out some, some spoilers today to you, is the grandson of Darth Vader. 
So it's a very interesting stuff. So I want to, I want to, I uh, want you to see this first scene, and you'll understand this whole thing of this tension and the swaying that he's feeling between the light and the dark side. So check this first clip out. It's hard to hear through that mask, of course, but um, he's like, show me, grandfather, show me that dark side. And, um, you know, I, I can resonate with this because I've struggled in my life, and I'm just going to shoot straight with you today. We all have. We have struggles in our life. We have that internal struggle, that tension that's on inside of us. And, um, you know, they can be small struggles. You know, I'm, I remember back as a kid, and, you know, you're sitting there in middle and high school, and you're like, should I look at my neighbor's notes? Yeah, I should look at my neighbor's notes, you know, <laughs> cheating on a test, you know, and you're like, I got a 63, John, why? You know, you should have looked at John's notes, you know, study to show yourself approved. Um, but then, you know, it can even be bigger things, though, you know, and I, even as a, a grown man, and I've been a Christian for over 20 years now, you still feel that tension, you know? Am I the only one that's ever felt that or feel that? We do, you know? We've been at that place where we have to make those choices in our life and the choices that we do make, they're, gonna, they're either going to harden our heart or soften our hearts. And, you know, some of those things can be big and it's, you know, you have those moments when you, you get angry or frustrated with something, you're ready to just lash out and, re, and react instead of responding in a healthy way. And there's those moments where it's just that gut-wrenching conscience that rises up and is saying, no, don't do that. Or another part of you going, yes, just let it all out. We've been there. We've, we've struggled through those things. Every single one of us deals with these kind of struggles, doing what's right and not doing what's wrong. And uh, that's where we're going today because the reality is in this place, breathe in and breathe out. We're humans, okay? And we're human beings. And with that, our inclinations to do what's wrong uh, aren't necessarily, you know, things like, Okay, using the dark side to kill bunnies or something. You know, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about we face real internal struggles inside of ourselves. Um, we want to be good people, but it's like, gosh, it's so hard sometimes to be so good. You ever been there? You got to ask those questions to yourself this morning. It's like, yeah, that, there's a rub there inside of myself where I'm like, yes, I know I need to do what's right. And some days are great, and then other days you just wake up, you get out of bed, and you're just like, ah! <laughs> you know, you feel like Vader. It's like, or the emperor of the lightning, you know, just want to take someone out. Aren't you glad that we're not God? <laughs> yeah, amen. You know, we have a sovereign God that doesn't lose his patience and that he's watching over us, he's caring for us. But why is it that we struggle with these things so much of doing what's right and not doing what's wrong? And sometimes when we know that we should do what's right, we end up finding it even harder to do it. 
And so I want to take you today to a passage of Scripture in Romans 7. And here's the thing. I, I don't have all the answers, but I know a place that we can find some of these answers to the questions that we ask. So Romans 7, starting in verse 14. You guys can stand up if you want. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to us again in a letter that he wrote to the Romans. It says, so the trouble is, verse 14, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Verse 16, but if I know, I would highlight that, but if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Father, thank you. Thank you for life. Thank you for fun. Thank you for creativity in the minds of people that we work and engage with. Thank you for the heartbeat that you give us. Thank you for the breath that you give us, Lord. Lord, today, challenge us, inspire us, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and prepare us to go back out in the world that desperately needs you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. High five a neighbor and say, the force is with you today. <laughs> All right. So in this passage of Scripture here, you can substitute the law with God's word. Okay? This is essentially what we're talking about here. God's word is good. We can agree with that here today. It is good. We're thankful for it. It tells you everything you need to know about God. It tells you about God. It tells you even beyond his attributes. It tells you who you are and what place place that you play here in this world. And I love that we have that, you know, and it's to know him on a personal level. You know, we ask these questions with inside of ourselves. We should be asking these questions within his presence as well. God, why am I, why is this so hard to struggle? Why is it so hard to go through these things and deal with these? How do I live this life in a holy way? Yet you, you see here, God's word also presents a little problem for us as well. It reveals how corrupt, how sinful we are as humans. Sin, we are sinful beings. In fact, it reveals all of us, every single one of us is tainted with sin. That's what Paul's bringing out here. Paul, this guy wrote the letter to the Romans. He goes through three different times in this passage talking about this here. He's repetitive because he's trying to communicate this important fact to us, is that we have this internal struggle with inside of us, and we need to realize that. We need to be aware of that. We need to just answer it and say, yes, that is true. I've seen sometimes in my Christian walk through the years where people come in and experience Christ and um, they have this transformative moment, but then it's a struggle. You know, they're trying to, to walk this thing out and to develop roots in this, and then they have someone coming up, I can't believe you're doing this, or I can't believe you're still doing that. And it's, we're still working toward holiness. Okay, we're still working in that sanctificated process to become more like him. And what we should be doing at that time is saying, come on, that's okay if you fell down. Let me help you up and help you in this to continue walking forward. But the world sees things in a way that makes me step back sometimes as a Christian and say, are we portraying perfectionism in the church? Because we shouldn't. Because none of us are perfect. Only one that we serve is. And so that's the thing is that we've got to break the stigma. And the only way we can break the stigma is start living it out ourselves and saying, hey, we are sinful individuals, we are human beings, but we're still striving toward Christ. And so he's, he's, he's bringing this out here to us because sin has affected all of humanity. 
And uh, I, want you go, I want you to go on down to verse 18. This is why after fighting so hard with ourselves sometimes to do what's right, we give in and do what's wrong. Verse 18, it says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. Paul's being just real here. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, am am I not really the one doing wrong? It is sin living in me that does it. If you're taking notes on the back there, on your bulletin, we have a couple points. First thing is this. Paul's saying here that we, we have what's called a sinful nature. A sinful nature. You have a sinful nature. I have a sinful nature. It's this dark side to humanity that tries, it causes us to do wrong and tries to tempt us and draw us away from the light, draw us away from God. So no matter how hard you want to do what's right in your own power and your strength, you can't. In your own power and strength. Paul tells us here, look what happens. I end up doing what's wrong. And I, I, I fail again. And it's, it's because it's, it's natural for us in our human nature to do the wrong thing. It's an easy choice to do wrong. I think it's harder to do right. And so it takes us back to the Genesis and the fall of man and all the way to, to, to where we are today. And so, you know, no one has to teach us to do the wrong thing. But we have to teach people to do the right thing. It seems like that's the case. We're plenty capable of teaching ourselves to do the wrong thing, but it's that it's, it's because it's the moment we step out of our mother's womb. We are bent towards self. Ah! Feed me now! You know, <laughs> that's where it begins. I remember those days. I remember Aiden when he was first born. I'm like, I can't get this child to stop here. I'm like shoving a bottle down his throat, and he's like, rah, rah. And, you know, he was like, me, 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 me. And we realize that when, we, when you lose the sleep, it's like, oh, my gosh, I got to die every moment, <laughs> and I'm feeling it now. But that's, it starts even as a child, and parents, you understand this, uh, while teaching your kids, wherever pathway in life you're at right now, if they're still at home with you or if they've already launched out as an adult, you, you know this. You know this struggle of trying to teach them to do the right things and not the wrong things. And if you're married in this house today, which many of us are, you understand this principle as well, that it's not all about you, me, yes. It's always about your spouse, right, guys? <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> we learn those. That's so true, but, it's, but that's the case. We, if you want a successful marriage, you have got to be putting your spouse before yourself period, and that will bring a successful marriage, especially if the spouse is doing the same thing to you. That'd be, that makes it perfect, you know? And, and so I say these things because Aiden and Brady, um, you know, we're teaching this to them right now, and I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I got my dad and my stepmom with us today. I'm so glad they're with me in the house and got to come down, and, uh, you know, I told him the other night, I was like, parenting is so hard. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, I like I remember saying that about our first year first year of marriage. I'm like, marriage is so hard. I'm like, oh, marriage, oh, yeah, nah, marriage is good. It's like, kids, ah, help me. And what I what I see so many times now is that when we're teaching our boys to do the right thing, um, it's funny. I'll go to Aiden. I'm like, Aiden, please stop talking down to your brothers. Stop running your little meh, 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 meh about stuff. Just leave it alone. But Brady did. He points it right back. Or Brady, I'm like, stop hitting your brother in the face over and over again. You know, it's like, but Aiden did. You know, it's human nature. 
we point right back. It's not my problem. It's his. It's their problem. And so that's the thing. That's that rub. That's that struggle that we deal with of doing the right thing. And when, it's someone, when someone is teaching us the difference between right and wrong, that's when the struggle really comes to the surface. And we see it for reality. So we see the, in this next clip that we're going to show here, we see the tension between a father and a son and really a messed up relationship between these two characters. And I'm going to be honest, spoiler alert here, if you're a Han Solo fan, I'm sorry. I'm just going to leave it at that. So check this clip out. All right. I'm being torn apart. I want to be free of this pain. I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Will you help me? Yes, anything. That's, a, that's an intense moment right there, no matter if you're a fan of these movies or not. That's, that's, a, that's the real deal. And, and did you catch what he says there to, to Han, to his dad? His name is Ben. Before he became Kylo, he says, Dad, I feel like I'm being torn apart. I feel like I'm being torn apart. And he wants to be free of the pain, but he doesn't know how. And so in this moment, it's a defining moment for him in this character because it's like, do I, do I allow my father to help me to come back to the right? I know there's a tension. There's another scene in the movie that's not shown here of, of his mom, Princess Leia, that she said, I still know there's good in him. So go after him. Try to bring him back. You know, she knows there's, there's a little bit of light left there. There's still hope. And we don't want to give up hope ever. And so he goes there, and he, and, and he has this moment with his son on the bridge, and it's like, you could see that wrestling with inside of himself, and it's just like he felt like he just had went too far. He's like, there's no way I can come back to this. And the only way I can end this light is just to go completely into the darkness, completely allow it just to swallow me up. And so he just takes him out and just ends his life. And so there's been a lot of talk about this, this moment here in this movie. J.J. Uh, Abrams, the director, you know, it's like, okay, was he really playing with them? Was he going to take him out the whole time? And he was just having this moment to make him come out on the platform and do this. And he's like, no, there really was a moment there where he, 
the tension was there as we're writing this character out. But the thing is, he felt like the past was too much. He'd made so many mistakes that he could not come back from those mistakes. And so it just engulfed him. It swallowed him up. And what you see in this character here is that he had a moral crisis moment. A moral crisis moment. He should have walked away from the darkness, but he couldn't accept the reality of of what he'd done up to this point in his life. The past was too much. He didn't feel like he could break free from it, and so he was just going to allow himself to be swallowed up in that. And I think we can resonate with that. I think we can, we've, we've seen people in those places to where it's like the darkness has taken them out. And it's like, is there any hope for these individuals? Maybe you've been at that place in your life. I can, I, can, I can resonate with this because I was there a moment in my life. I, um, I've alluded to this in conversations with some of you all or even on the platform about losing my mom. My mom passed away uh, 16 years ago this past September. And that was the, one of the biggest struggles I ever went through. And I got so angry. I got so resentful toward God toward life in general. I was just like, why did you take her from me? She's 46. Why did you take her from my life? Answer me, I would tell him. I would just shout out to him. I'm like, where are you in this moment? And I pushed the church away. They were like, come to church. Everything will be fine. No, no, it's not fine. It's messed up. And if this is what life is about, I don't want any of it. And so I, I started finding myself spinning out of control and pushing people away that I shouldn't push and, and falling into a deep depression and had a two-year-old brother at that time that my mom had had at 43, which was a miracle in itself. And we're like, whoa, you know. And then he's left behind. I'm like, I'm 25, but what about him as well? So a lot of these questions I didn't have an answer to at that moment. And so I started masking it with drugs and alcohol. And I fell into a further place in 2000 that I had ever been before Christ six years prior to that. I was in a dark, deep pit. And I remember coming home one night, heading to my house and just hands on the steering wheel and just crying and just so done and just ready to just ram my car off the road. And I, came, I tried so hard and I couldn't turn the wheel toward the, the edge there and just run off the, the guardrail. And I got home and I remember calling up the pastor at the church that I had uh, deserted and I was like, help me. I was like, I need help. I was like, I am in a total tailspin in my life. I am so angry. And I told him those exact words. I said, I feel like I'm being ripped apart on the inside. I got one part over here saying, come to me. You know, come back to me. I'm going to help you through this. And I'm like, I don't want anything to do with you, God. I don't want anything to do with your Holy Spirit. Then I had this other side saying, come to me. Come over here. And it was like that seducive, seductive spirit of the dark side, the enemy himself. And I felt this tension inside of myself. And I couldn't break free. I wanted to just jump into the darkness, but I had a, had a moment in my life where salvation had come, and he's pulling me and doing everything he can to draw me back into his presence. And that's the beauty of God's grace and his mercy, is that no matter how much we fall away from him, if you've had a moment there with him, he'll bring you back out again. And so I came to a place, and I'm sitting there saying, I need counseling, I guess, because we had an hour-long conversational phone. I'm like, help. So we went through grief counseling. We went all the way through so much. And through that experience, I came to a place where I got healing. I got restoration. I got redeemed. I got restored. I renewed my walk with God. And it was a big journey. And then the night I came to the altar and accepted Christ back into my life, it wasn't just as Savior, but it was as Lord of my life. And then I got called into ministry the same night. And so that's where my journey began. But 
you know, I'm just, I'm being real with you guys today because sometimes people think that pastors got it all together. No, we don't. <laughs> I love him with all of my life, and I'm doing everything I can to please him and put a smile on his face, but the struggle is real. Hashtag, the struggle is real, okay? <laughs> we still go through the struggles. And this is just a simple, straightforward message today that hopefully just gets to the heart of the matter. Let's just shoot straight. Be honest with yourself this moment. Have you been there? Have you had those moments, you know, prior to salvation, but even maybe you've ran off and you've done other things and then you come back to Christ and you've had the struggle going on or maybe you're just stuck. I mean, we've all been in those places. We want to do the right thing and we find ourselves in this moral crisis moment. It's a defining moment for our life to say, is he going to be Lord of all? Or are you just going to play church on Sunday? Or is he going to be the real deal? In the time we're living in, we can't play anymore. We've got to be the real deal for a world that's desperately looking for answers that they're not going to find in the White House. They're not going to find in a protest. They're not going to find within each other. Yeah, we can bring a little community there, but ultimately, we were created and designed by God to love him and to love each other. And the only way we can love each other is to know him and love him and allow him to work in and through us. The darkness that we see in America right now is based on this, our heart. Don't think one person's going to change that. Look in the mirror and you start the journey with God to make the change. So we wonder a lot of times. We find ourselves in these positions. We want to stop drinking. We, and alcoholism is taking over life. We're doing drugs and it's like, I'm so tired of being dependent on these things, but I don't know how to break free from this. Or if you're in a marriage and you love your spouse, but you're like, I can't get these thoughts in my mind about this guy I'm working with, this girl I'm working with, and these thoughts that take me to a place I don't need to go. We've been there. We see that. We want to be the kind of person that someone looks at us and say, man, that's a, that's a man of character right there. That's a woman of integrity. And we hear those things, though, and we get so frustrated because we can't live up to those standards. So we wonder, is the past too much? Have we gone too far? Can we break from the cycle? I want to take you back down into Romans again in 7, down to verse 21. Because if this is you, you're in good company today. It describes me, it definitely describes Paul here. Listen in verse 21. He's discovered this principle. When I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. Here's the kicker. He feels this way even after discovering who God is and wanting to follow him. In verse 22, he says, I love God's law with all of my heart. He loves God's word. So what's the problem? Knowing the word is not enough. Knowing it is just not enough. God's word, just reading the word can't fix the struggle. Okay, hear me here. Because he says in verse 23, there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. What's the power? It's the darkness that we've been talking about this morning. It's the sinful nature. And in and, and his desire to be free from this dark side, he says in verse 24, who will free me? That's a great question we got to ask ourselves. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? You've asked that question before. If you're a Christian in this room, how do I get out of this struggle and mess that I'm in? You have to have that defining moment in your life before you make your way to an altar or you accept it right there where you're at. You have to ask, is there a way to break free from this? And that's what he's asking here. Because guys... 
you have zero capability of breaking free of the struggle on your own power and strength. You cannot do it. It is impossible to do this. And if we stop there, then this is the most depressing message you've ever heard. But there is good news. There is good news. Listen to verse 25. Thank God. Come on. Thank God. Paul is starting to recognize it here. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Second thing is this. I have a light. You have a light that shatters the darkness. And that light is Jesus. Jesus is the light that shatters the darkness. Humanity may be corrupted by sin, but the darkness that rises up cannot overcome us if the light shows up. Darkness cannot overcome light. The way to break free of your addiction this morning is to let Jesus in. The way to to love your spouse wholeheartedly and break through in those areas is to let the light of Christ inside of yourself, man and woman. That's where it begins. The way to live a life of integrity and honor is to, to model a life like Jesus. And the thing is, there's so many things that are floating around about who Christ is or who Jesus is, who God is, all this stuff. And I can guarantee that there's people that come into our doors on Sunday morning, that may be you today, and that's okay, that you don't really know who he is. You've heard the, the name, but who is this Jesus? He's God. He's God. He's not an angry God. He is a God that is loving and compassionate and graceful and merciful because of the cross, and he's drawing you, and he wants to have that relationship and fellowship with you. He's not a life force. He's not just a prophet or a teacher only. He is the son of man. He's not a myth like Hercules. Jesus is the real deal. He's the real thing. And we can attest to that if we're a believer in this room because we know what he's done for us. Amen? Jesus has done something great in us. He left his throne and came down and put on a flesh suit and lived this life out. A couple thousand years ago, he understands the struggle and the tension and the, and the pull from the darkness. He was out in the wilderness. He experienced that stuff, and he just came against the enemy and nailed him with the word of God over and over again, over and over again. He's like, no, I'm not allowing this to happen. He was tempted, but he never sinned. He's the only one that won this battle, and he won it for us. That's why we celebrate Christmas. He came down as a baby. It's more than a Christmas tree. He's real because... We know what we've went through. He's real to me because I know where I was at, at 19 before I was uh, saved by him. And I was saved by him. I know where I was. He's the real deal with me because I know where I was at 26 before he became Lord of my life. I know where he's at now in my early 40s because I still understand and I know the struggle that I go through to make the right choices every day. But it's not a roller coaster of despair and uncertainty in my life. I'm continually moving upward and onward in my faith and in my allegiance and my relationship with him. Doesn't mean we're not going to have moments where we fall, but we get back up again and continue looking and gazing our eyes on the cross and Jesus himself. Don't look for answers out there. Look upward. Look in the word. That's where you'll find them. And the cross stands as a beacon of hope in a world gone mad. And a world's gone bad. Life, hope, forgiveness, change. 
Know this today. Wherever you land here, it's possible. It's possible to have those things. But how do you put yourself in a position to defeat the dark side within yourself? How can you have confidence you'll overcome that struggle to do what's right? You allow him to influence you. You allow the light of Christ. You don't just give Jesus a shot, but you allow him to become your Savior and your Lord to where all your, you, you, you filter everything through your circumstances, your situations, your questions that you have. You go to him. You have that personal encounter with him, and that's where he's there to help you to be able to sweep away the darkness and to walk forward in the light. And hope is a big word. Hope. We could, resonate, we could talk about that for a while. It's, it's, but it's being able to see that there's a light despite all the darkness that surrounds us. Today, more than ever, we need hope. I love C.S. Lewis. Listen to this. I want to read this twice because this is profound. He knows how to bring things out in his writings. He says, Where except in uncreated light can the darkness be drowned? Let me say it again. Where except in uncreated light can the darkness be drowned? The light of Christ has always been. It was not created. It has always been there. And this light, this force, this hope that we need is Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. That is where it begins. And that's where it ends, right there in his presence. So I'm going to ask our our musicians if they'll make their way out this morning. And I'm going to ask you guys, just for a moment, close your eyes. Just so it gives you a moment to not to be distracted by the, your, the neighbor beside you. But where do you land with this today? You know, if you're here today and you're, you're not following Christ, he's not you know, your savior, you're, you're hearing this maybe for the first time, or you just never really made that step, where do you land with this? Where are you finding answers to all the craziness you see in the world around you? Christian in this room, let's be real Let's be transparent with ourselves this morning. Where do we land with this? We can't live a perfected life, and that's okay. But we need to continue to walk with him hand in hand. All of us face daily struggles to do the right thing. And guess what? It's not going to end on this side of eternity. You can open your eyes. What if this morning... You decided to just give up trying to solve all the struggles on your own. What if you decided to release yourself of that? What if you just stopped trying to work so hard to be so good? If you're a perfectionist in here, you can resonate with this. Well, don't we have to work hard? Don't we have to? No, no, well, hold on a minute. Listen. What if you just realize no matter how, what you do and how hard you try, in your own will and in your own power and strength, You're always going to end up, because of the taintedness of sin, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. You're going to do the wrongs. You can't do it on your own. It's impossible. But I'm here to tell you this morning there's one that can help you win and to be an overcomer, and that's Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning, church. And I think every single one of us in this room can come to grips with this reality is that we struggle but we can win. That when we fall down, 
we'll get back up again because we have the hope of Christ. Your life is dominated by sin coming at you in all these different directions trying to bring you back into the world and take you out over and over and over again. But all you have to do today is take that step forward and say, I want to walk in the light. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.